Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Sleepy Time Stories, the podcast where we help you get to sleep with soft music and a soft voice telling you stories from inside of video games. All of the stories so far have been focused on the Elder Scrolls, and this one is no different. Today, tonight, we will begin the story of the Wolf Queen. The life story of Queen Potema. This story is broken into eight separate books. They aren't particularly long. So we'll see how many we can get through in this episode tonight. Now, before we get into the details, I just wanted to call out somebody very special. Lily, you know who you are. Today, I received an email from Lily F. A very, very kind email explaining Lily's enjoyment of the show and how much this show has helped Lily get to sleep. And in fact, Lily notes here in the email that she's already, and I'm assuming Lily is a she, it sounds like a female name, has already listened back through each of the episodes a dozen times so far. Lily, I appreciate you. I appreciate that you took the opportunity to send me a note to let me know how much you enjoy this show and how much you are looking forward to another episode. So to thank you, I'm putting out a new episode right now. I've spent the last few months. It's been a few months since we released the last episode, and I apologize for the gap. There have been a lot of other things going on with the Robots Radio Network and things in my personal life. So, other shows with active patrons 
and shows that I started earlier than this show have taken precedence. But don't worry, this show will go on. I'm hoping I can commit to at least a new episode a month moving forward. But I would love to hear more from the community. Please let me know how important this show is to you. And if it's something that I should be spending more time focusing on. I would love to hear your feedback. You're also welcome to leave reviews on Apple Podcasts. That helps as well. If that's not something you can do, then doing like Lily did and sending me an email to sleepytimestoriespodcast at gmail.com is another way to get a hold of me. Now, there is another method you could use. The Discord channel, which is listed in the show notes, is growing extremely quickly. We at Robots Radio are building a family, a real internet digital family of people who want to spend time together, who share, and who are genuinely awesome to each other. This is one of the best communities I've ever been involved with. So if you're looking for a place to feel like you can be yourself, You can talk about things that matter to you. Whether it's the Elder Scrolls games, which are the topics of this podcast so far. Or if it's dealing with sleep. Or just looking for people who have similar interests. Or shooting me a note. It's a great place to be involved, and it's a place where I actively, actively am responding, reading messages every day. So without further ado, let's dive into the story of the Wolf Queen. Book One From the Pen of the First Century Third Era Sage Mantokai Third Era Year 63 In the autumn tide of the year, Prince Pelagius, son of Prince Uriel, who is son of Empress Kintira, who is niece of the great emperor Tiber Septum, came to the high rock city-state of Camlorn to pay court to the daughter 
of King Volstade. Her name was Quintilla, the most beauteous princess in Tamriel, skilled at all the maidenly skills and an accomplished sorceress. Eleven years a widower with a young son named Antiochus, Pelagius arrived at court to find that the city-state was being terrorized by a great demon werewolf. Instead of wooing, Pelagius and Quintilla together went out to save the kingdom. With his sword and her sorcery, the beast was slain, and by the powers of mysticism, Quintilla chained the beast's soul to a gem. Pelagius had the gem made into a ring and married her. But it was said that the soul of the wolf stayed with the couple until the birth of their first child. Third Era, Year 80 The Ambassador for Solitude has arrived, Your Majesty, whispered the steward Balvis. Right in the middle of dinner, muttered the Emperor weakly. Tell him to wait. No, father. It's important that you see him, said Pelagius, rising. You can't make him wait and then give him the bad news. It's undiplomatic. Don't go then. You're much better at diplomacy than I am. We should have all the family here, Emperor Uriel II added, suddenly aware how few people were present at the dinner table. Where's your mother? Sleeping with the archpriest of Kinnereth, Pelagius would have said, but he was... As his father said, diplomatic. Instead, he said, At prayer. And your brother and sister? Amiel is in first hold, meeting with the Archmagister of the Mages Guild. And Galana, though we won't be telling this to the ambassador, of course, is preparing for her wedding with the Duke of Narsus. Since the ambassador expects her to be marrying his patron, the King of Solitude, instead, we'll tell him that she's at the spa, having a cluster of pestilent boils removed. Tell him that, and he won't press too hard for the marriage, politically expedient though it may be, 
Pelagia smiled. You know how queasy Nords are about warty women. But, dash it, I feel like I should have some family around. So I don't look like some old fool despised by his nearest and dearest, growled the Emperor, correctly suspecting this to be the case. What about your wife? Where's she and the grandchildren? Quintilis in the nursery with Sephorus and Magnus. Antiochus is probably whoring around the city. I don't know where Potema is. Probably at her studies. I thought you didn't like children around. I do during meetings with ambassadors in damp staterooms, sighed the Emperor. They lend an air of, I don't know, innocence and civility. Ah, show the blasted ambassador in, he said to Balvis. Potima was bored. It was the rainy season in the Imperial Province. Wintertide. And the streets of the greens of the city were all flooded. She could not remember a time when it was not raining. Had it been only days or had it been weeks or months since the sun shone. There was no judging of time anymore in the constant flickering torchlight of the palace, and as Patima walked through marble and stone hallways, listening to the pelting of the rain, she could think nothing but that she was bored. Estheth, her tutor, would be looking for her now. Ordinarily, she did not mind studying. Rote memorization came easily to her. She quizzed herself as she walked down through the empty ballroom. When did Orsinium fall? First Era 980. Who wrote... Tamrielin Tractates? Cosi. When was Tiber Septum born? Second Era, 288. Who is the current king of Daggerfall? Morton, son of Gothler. Who is the current Sylvanar? Varbarinth, son of Varboril. Who is the warlord of Lilmoth? Trick question. It's a lady, Iowa. What will I get if I'm a good girl and don't get to into any trouble? And my tutor says I'm an excellent student. Mother and father will renege on their promise to buy me a Daedric Katana of my own, saying they never remembered the promise. And it's far too expensive and dangerous for a girl my age. 
There were voices coming from the Emperor's stateroom. Her father, her grandfather, and a man with a strange accent, a Nord. Potima moved a stone she had loosened beneath a tapestry and listened in. Let us be frank, your Imperial Majesty, came the Nord's voice. My sire, the King of Solitude, doesn't care if Princess Galana looked like an orc. He wants an alliance with the Imperial family, and you agreed to give him Galana or give back the the millions of gold he gave to you to quell the Kajiti Rebellion in Torval. This was the agreement you swore to honor. I remember no such agreement, came her father's voice. And you, liege? There was a mumbling noise that Patima took to be her grandfather, the ancient emperor. Perhaps we should take a walk to the Hall of Records. My mind may be going. The Nord's voice sounded sarcastic. I distinctly remember your seal being placed on an agreement before it was locked away. Of course, I may verily be mistaken. We will send a page to the hall to get the document you refer to, replied her father's voice, with the cruel, soothing quality he used whenever he was about to break a promise. Fatima knew it well. She replaced the loose stone and hurried out of the ballroom. She knew well how slowly the pages walked, used to running errands for a dodgering emperor. She could make it to the Hall of Records in no time at all. The massy ebony door was locked. Of course, but she knew what to do. A year ago, she caught her mother's Bosmer maid pilfering some jewelry, and in exchange for her silence, forced the young woman to teach her how to pick locks. Patima pulled two pins off her red diamond brooch and slid the first into the first lock. Holding her hand steady and memorizing the pattern of tumblers and grooves within the mechanism, each lock had a geography of its own. The lock to the kitchen larder, six free tumblers, a frozen seventh, and a counterbolt. She had broken into that just for fun, but if she had been a poisoner, the whole imperial household would be dead by now, she thought, smiling. The lock to her brother Antiochus's secret stash of Kajiti pornography, just two free tumblers and a pathetic poisoned quill trap easily dismantled with pressure on the counterweight. 
That had been a profitable score. It was strange that Antiochus, who seemed to have no shame, proved so easy to blackmail. She was, after all, only twelve, and the differences between the perversions of the cat people and the perversions of the Cyrodiils seemed pretty academic. Still, Antiochus had to give her the diamond brooch, which she treasured. She had never been caught, not when she broke into the Archmage's study and stole his oldest spellbook, not when she had broken into the guest room of the king of Gilan and stole his crown the morning before Magus's official welcoming ceremony. It had become too easy to torment her family with these little crimes. But here was a document the emperor wanted for a very important meeting. She would get it first. But this, this was the hardest lock she ever opened. Over and over she massaged the tumblers, gently pushing aside the forked clamp that snatched at her pins, drumming the counterweights. It nearly took her a half minute to break through the door to the Hall of Records where the Elder Scrolls were housed. The documents were well organized by year, province, and kingdom, and it took Patima only a short while to find the promise of marriage between Uriel Septim II, by the grace of the gods, emperor of the holy Cyrodiilic Empire of Tamriel, and his daughter, the Princess Galana, and His Majesty King Mantiarco of Solitude. She grabbed her prize and was out of the hall, with the door well locked before the page was even in sight. Back in the ballroom, she loosened the stone and listened eagerly to the conversation within. For a few moments, the three men, the Nord, the Emperor, and her father just spoke of the weather and some boring diplomatic details. Then where there was the sound of footsteps and a young voice, the page. Your Imperial Majesty, I have searched the Hall of Records and cannot find the document you asked for. There, you see, came Patima's father's voice. I told you it didn't exist. But I saw it, the Nord's voice was furious. I was there when my liege and the Emperor signed it. I was there. I hope you aren't doubting the word of my father, the Sovereign Emperor of all Tamriel. Not when there's now proof that you must have been mistaken. Pelagius's voice was low, dangerous, 
Of course not, said the Nord, conceding quickly. But what will I tell my king? He is to have no connection with the Imperial family and no gold returned to him as the agreement as he and I believed the agreement to be. You don't want any bad feelings between the Kingdom of Solitude and us, came the Emperor's voice, rather feeble, but clear enough. What if we offered King Mantiarco our granddaughter instead? Fatima felt the chill of the room descend on her. The Princess Fatima? Is she not too young? asked the Nord. She is thirteen years old, said her father. That's old enough to wed. She would be an ideal mate for your king, said the Emperor. She is... Admittedly, from what I see of her, very shy and innocent, but I'm certain she would quickly grasp the ways of court. She is, after all, a septum. I think she would be an excellent queen of solitude. Not too exciting, but noble. The granddaughter of the Emperor is not as close as his daughter, said the Nord, rather miserably. But I don't see how we can refuse the offer. I will send word to my king. You have our leave, said the Emperor, and Patima heard the sound of the Nord leaving the stateroom. Tears streamed down Patima's eyes. She knew who the King of Solitude was from her studies. Mantiarco, 62 years old and quite fat. And she knew how far Solitude was and how cold in the northernmost clime. Her father and grandfather were abandoning her to the barbaric Nords the voices in the room continued talking. Well acted, my boy. Now make sure you burn that document, said her father. My prince, asked the page's querulous voice. The agreement between the emperor and the king of solitude, you fool. We don't want its existence known. My prince, I told the truth. I couldn't find the document in the Hall of Records. It seems to be missing. By Lor Khan, roared her father, why is everything in this palace always misplaced? Go back to the hall and keep searching until you find it. Fatima looked at the document. Millions of gold pieces promised to the Kingdom of Solitude in the event of Princess Galana not marrying the king. She could bring it into her father 
and perhaps as a reward, he would not marry her to Mantiarca. Or perhaps not. She could blackmail her father and the emperor with it, and make a tidy sum of money. Or she could produce it when she became queen of solitude, to fill her coffers and buy anything she wanted, more than a Daedric Katana, that was for certain. So many possibilities, Patima thought, and she found herself not bored anymore. So that was book one. I plan to follow through with this story in the future, where we will explore book two, book three, all the way through to book eight. If you're not asleep yet, I hope you are enjoying the story, this podcast. But more than that, I hope that you are able to find sleep. As I've noted before, this show is set up so that you can let it run or repeat until you are soothed to sleep. You could also set it up to run from one episode directly into the next. I hope you have a wonderful night. I hope you find sleep. And please, we would love for you to join us on the Robots Radio Discord channel if you're looking for people who might be a lot like you. Have a wonderful night, and I'll see you next time. This is Tom, or Robots, saying goodnight. Sleep well.